Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. Guys, if I'm honest, I'm really, I'm really down today. <laughs> and it's such a ridiculous problem that I'm facing. And I know it's not a big deal in the big scheme of things, but I'm just having a moment and I'm going to bring you along for it. Um, and maybe it actually works really well with the topic today. So I'll I'll link it in. I'll, I'll segue it together. We'll figure it out. But guys, you know, one of my biggest challenges is planning vacations. And I don't know why we struggle with this because this should be something fun to do, but it is such a source of contention and stress. And so I'm taping this episode two days after Mother's Day. So just to give you some uh, background information on the timeline of all of this. So I told Jim the only thing I want for Mother's Day this year is to book our vacation. We had it all researched up to this point. We just hadn't pulled the trigger and booked everything. And one of the things that was holding us up is this whole credit card points. I wanted to use our points for our flights and for our hotels, but turns out, interesting fun fact, for city points at least, city credit card, um, it's only one adult to two minors. So a family of seven cannot use credit card points for flights. You can't, it's one adult to two minors, we have five minors, we're over the limit. And so I called them. I'm like, please, is there something we can do? And she said, nope, this is the rule. And so you're just going to have to use your points towards hotels. And I was like, fine, whatever, we'll do it. So everything's all lined up Mother's Day evening. All I want to do is click buttons, input credit cards, book this vacation. We wanted to go out west and do a whole bunch of different sightseeing, like Mount Rushmore, Yellowstone, all that stuff. Find the hotels, everything's lined up, got all the dates perfectly, start putting in the dates, clicking buttons, everything's going great. The very last piece of all of this wasn't even on my radar that this was something I had to pay attention to. Um, I still had leftover points from all the hotels. I'm going to get my rental car using my credit card points. So I click that, you know, click buttons. I want to start in Rapid City. I want to end in Wyoming. This is great. And all of a sudden it comes up error. Error? What the heck does that mean? So I type it in again. There are no matches. What do you mean there's no matches? This was supposed to be the easy part, the rental car part, right? And so I go to different rental car websites. I go to like to Hertz. I go to, you know, through Expedia. I try all these different platforms. And here's the thing. There's no cars available. Well, let me take that back. There are cars that seat five people, but there are no minivans. There are no SUVs that seat seven people. 
And the whole point of this vacation is to travel to different parts, uh, different states, and see all these iconic national parks and everything that we wanted to do. And I don't even have a car to pull this off. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is it. Like, we're going to have to cancel this whole entire trip after I just got all the nerve and, and found the courage and bravery to push buttons and plan the trip because it's so hard for me. I get all the way to the end and <laughs> there's no cars available, which means if there's no cars available, there's no trip available. And so then I had to start canceling everything. And so now I'm here today just feeling rejected. It's two days after Mother's Day, which means it's way too late to book vacations in other places. And so I'm having a pity party for myself. And eventually I'll pull myself through. But today you're getting a little bit of a dejected version of myself. So, um... (laughs) so frustrating. Hopefully by the time this airs, we will have it figured out. Um, Jim's like, well, maybe we'll just do some, you know, college tours. I'm like, that's not vacation. That's like work. That's a trip. And I just can't imagine the other children so excited and pleasant in a minivan going from college to college. I know it's a necessary thing to do at some point, but it's not my idea of summer vacation. So, excuse me. It actually ties in really, really well with today's lesson, I promise, because today's lesson is all about perfectionism. I want vacation to be perfect. I want everything to work out. I want everyone to have a good time. I don't want anyone to fight. I want memories. You know, there's not much time before my kids all leave, which I know is is a lie. But in my head, I'm turning this into some big dramatic event. And I'm totally letting perfectionism ruin the experience of vacation planning. And the topic today is perfection and preventing you from reaching your health goals. So I actually um, listened to another um, podcast teaching by John Acuff. I think I shared a couple of his episodes with you previously. I did one on bravery. Um, I can't remember the second one I did, but this one is based on his teachings of perfectionism. I'm just putting a spin on nutrition and health and exercise on all of the points that he made. So I don't really think of myself as a perfectionist. I did at one point, but I thought I could, I kind of moved through that. I use the example of my book that I wrote back in 2019. The book is not perfect. And I read it now and sometimes I cringe just because I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's just terrible the way you explained it. But in the moment, I wanted to get a resource out that could be helpful to people. And so it's out there. It's imperfect, but it's still helpful. And so I thought I moved through some of these perfectionistic tendencies. But as I go through the eight different ways to spot perfectionism getting in your way, I totally can see myself in a few of these. So I'm curious if you can see a little bit of yourself in some of these points as well. All right. So let's kind of run through these and then see what are some ways that um, we can identify if it's popping into our life and what we can do about it. 
All right. So the n number one, all right. And these aren't in any like particular order, but number one uh, way that you can spot perfectionism getting in your way of your health goals is perfectionism sets unrealistic expectations. So the way perfectionist speaks in this moment is, you know, you should be able to lose 10 pounds in a week. You should be able to lose 20 pounds for vacation in three weeks. You shouldn't struggle with this new habit. You should have it figured out by now. You should be able to exercise every day, right? It creates these really unreasonable expectations of your life should look a certain way and you should be able to repeat it. And so I'm curious if you have unrealistic expectations for yourself. I see it all the time in my office, clients who come in, well, I should have, I should be able to lose this much weight. I'm like, really? That's a lot. Or I should be able to get my cholesterol down in three months. Well, we can get it in the right direction, but I don't know if we can completely lower it. I should be able to get off all my medications in six months. Okay. Well, you know, it, it doesn't usually work that way, but we can certainly try to get you moving in the right direction. For whatever reason, we hear something and we lock in and we think that that is an absolute and it must work that way. And a lot of times it's based on false sound bites. I don't, I don't know what I want to use as this word here, but marketing, right? A lot of marketing for health whether it's weight loss or medicines or, you know, you can, you can lose 10 pounds in a week and then we click on it. So it's like the clickbaits, but yet for whatever reason, we take the clickbait and we, the clickbait, we take it as truth when really all it is, is to grab your attention and get you to explore more about that product. Right? Well, my neighbor said she did this and her cholesterol came down 40 points. Okay, but you're not your neighbor and you don't know everything your neighbor did. But in your head, if it took your neighbor two weeks, then it should only take you two weeks. So that's the thing. Perfectionism likes to set very unreasonable expectations. In fact, perfectionism can even make you chase the wrong goal. Right? So... Perfectionism likes really nice round numbers. Great example of this is 10,000 steps, right? Have you ever walked or paced up and down your hallway or around the coffee table because you looked at your watch and you were only at 9,642 steps and you're like, no way, I got to hit 10,000 by the end of the night or I can't go to bed. You know, is there a huge significant difference in your health between 9,642 steps and 10,000? No, but we start to latch on to those nice round number goals and think that that is what we have to do to be healthy. Really, the initial goal was just to move more. And then over time, that goal initially turned into, I have to hit 10,000 steps. I know for myself, I got a Fitbit a couple years ago. And I wanted to track my steps because that was what everybody was doing. And I was curious, am I hitting 10,000 steps? And then it became like this weird game where I had to get more steps than the day before. 
I mean, that's such an unrealistic expectation. I had to do more steps than the day before. My goodness. I mean, I would have had to quit my job at some point because I would have just had to keep walking. Right? For some of you, the goal initially was just to to feel better and eat healthier. And then all of a sudden, the scale number took over. And now you're doing unhealthy behaviors to get to a certain weight. So we have to be really careful when it comes to, you know, these unrealistic expectations. And perfectionism is sneaky. It comes in like it's all really good for you and I want the best for you. And then somewhere along the way, it takes a wrong turn. And so that's number one. This is one way you can spot perfectionism. Is Are, are you setting yourself up for unrealistic expectations? Number two, perfectionism creates impossible timelines. You know, if perfectionism can't stop your expectations, it will always stop you with the speed. It'll tell you this could be faster. I get this all the time in my office, especially with weight loss. Yeah, but it should be faster. You're on track for losing four to six pounds a month. Fantastic. Amazing. If I told my clients, okay, I, I always go back to this, and I'm sorry, I'm getting all flustered here, and I'm getting all excited, so I might jump around a little bit. You're just going to have to bear with me here, but I tell my clients all the time, if I could tell you that at the end of a year, you would be down between 25 and 50 pounds, would you be happy? And everyone's like, yes, I would be thrilled. I'm like, great. So we're going to aim for somewhere between a half a pound and a pound a week for weight loss. Okay. All right. And then they get into the first month and they're down four pounds. I'm like, fantastic. We're right on pace. And you know what they say? I don't know. I think this should be faster. I think I should be down 10 pounds by now. I'm like, what? No, no, we have a plan. We are working the plan. You are doing fantastic. But somewhere along the way, something trips up in their brain and says, you know what? This should be faster. We're not doing enough. We need to do more. Like, well, you need to do more and then you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to do nothing and then go the opposite way. But we always try to tell ourselves it's not fast enough. I just had a lady in my office just yesterday who lost 10 pounds in a month. And she's like, mm, it's not fast enough. We need to be doing more. <sighs> okay. All right. So, and that's where my job is to come alongside and help them see what are realistic expectations, realistic timelines. It's really hard to lose a ton of weight very quickly. Because let's face it, you did not put that weight on in 10 days. Probably took you 10 years to put the weight on. You got to give it a little bit more time to come off. Just like pregnancy, right? If it takes you nine months to put it on, it's going to take you about nine months to take it off. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't need to do it by month three postpartum. Give it some time. All right, number three. Perfectionism amplifies comparison. And so here's the thing. Your comparison is either of other people or it's of yourself when you were younger. When you're trapped in perfectionism, 
you obsess about the results of other people. Well, this person did that. This person was able to get here. Again, you don't know their whole story. Maybe they were battling an illness. It's really hard to compare your story to another person's, especially if they've been working at it longer than you. You can't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. It's not fair. The other thing I hear people say all the time is, well, this was so much easier when I was younger. Was it? Or is your memory a little cloudy? Right? Because I'm pretty sure you struggled with some things when you were younger too. You just don't remember. It's like childbirth. Right? You remember it wasn't great, but it, it wasn't that bad until you're in that delivery room getting ready to push. Then all of a sudden it comes back very, very clearly. I think one of the biggest struggles right now with the comparison game, obviously, is social media. Because we just have access to so many people. Before social media, the only people you had access to was your neighbor and your family and your coworkers. And the only people you could observe were those three groups of people. You had no clue what people were doing in Idaho or in Shanghai or in the Netherlands or in Orlando. You had no clue what they were doing. Now we have this window of what everybody's doing and how they're all doing it so much better than we are. So I'm curious if you struggle with perfectionism in this way. You think everybody else has it figured out and you're the one that's struggling or it was so much easier when you were younger. I'm pretty sure there were some challenges back then too, but perfectionism amplifies comparison. All right, number four, perfectionism ruins your ability to celebrate. Perfectionism tells you you could have done more. Yeah, this was great, but it wasn't good enough. Yeah, you lost eight pounds, but it could have been 10. Yeah, your blood sugar is now in the pre-diabetic range, but it could be in the non-diabetic range. It could be better. It's always reminding you of how you came up short, even if you didn't, even if you achieved the goal. Like I'll have some people will hit their their, even their weight loss goals. And they'll be like, yeah, I think it should be more now. Like you're never, ever satisfied. You keep moving the goalpost. Part of habit formation is reinforcement. I know we've talked about this on previous podcasts. So when you're trying to create a new habit, there is the cue, there is the action, and then there is the reinforcement, the celebration, the part where you tell your brain, hey, this was such a great idea. Let's do it again the next time something comes up. We're in the same situation, right? That is a major part, one of the three components, 33% of habit formation. But yet perfectionism will come in and be like, eh, wasn't good enough. And so then you don't have the celebration piece. You don't have the reinforcement piece. And then the habit doesn't truly stick. So I'm curious, are you inclined to always look for the, you could have done more? Sometimes I'll have my clients, they'll write down three things that they did well at the end of the night. Just three things. And it's interesting because you'll go into your journal and be like, this is great. This is easy. I'm going to write down three things that I did well today with my nutrition. And they'll write the first one down. And then after the first one, it's like, yeah, you, you ate breakfast this morning, 
but you didn't eat a healthy lunch. It's like this sneaky voice that comes in and just constantly tears down your progress. You're and it just as negative. And they're like, yeah, you're right. I didn't. I should have done that. I didn't do this well. And then before you know it, you're spiraling about all the things you didn't do well instead of writing down three things that you did. Right? And this actually then leads to number five. Perfectionism leads to burnout. Right? Because perfectionism tells you that in order to do something well, it must be perfect. Perfection is the new standard. And anything less is it's unacceptable. Especially if you've done something well once. Like say you've done, I don't know, you hit your fiber goal for the day. Right? You've been working really hard. You're trying to get, you know, between that 25, 40 grams of fiber, depending on if you're a male or female. You're doing it all. You had a great day. Perfectionist will, will tell you, well, now you got to do it again tomorrow. And if you don't, you failed. You screwed up. You messed up. You're a loser. You're never going to get this right. Like, that's a lot of pressure. If you are working out and... Maybe you ran, maybe you just started picking up jogging again and you jogged for two miles straight without stopping. Perfectionism will tell you, well, now you got to jog every day, two miles without stopping. Don't stop. You have to, you have to keep going. You did it once. So you should be able to do it every day after this. Like really? Cause some days maybe you're in pain or some days you don't feel like it. You know, you're just, you're just having a day. You're tired or you have cramps or you're exhausted because your, your baby had you up three times last night and you need that little bit of rest in between your two mile jog. But perfectionism will tell you, well, you did it that way yesterday. So there's no reason why you should go backwards now. And you can understand how that pressure eventually leads to burnout. You just stop. Same thing with like food prep, right? That's another great example. Say you food prep for the week and it was great. And then the next weekend you're gone. You're not home to food prep. Well, you food prep last week. You were supposed to do it this week. You didn't do it. Now everything's going to be a mess. And then you're like, that's right. Why bother? If I can't do it perfectly, if I can't food prep every single meal for the week, what's the point you could still food prep like two meals that still would be helpful but in your head since you did five last week you should be able to do five this week and it leads to burnout so I'm curious do you guys find yourselves thinking any of these thoughts out of the top five we got three more so we're going to keep moving all right this is one that I do I'll give you an example of how I do it Um, but this one I'm actually going to steal the example that John Acuff used because he did end up using an exercise goal and it works really well. So I will, um, I'll use that and then I'll do a nutrition example too. So number six is perfectionism turns the start line into a wall. So what I mean by this is the start line should just be the place where you begin. My kids just did a 5k race with the school a couple weeks ago. And the start line is literally just the position underneath 
the inflatable sign. There wasn't any white chalk on the line on the ground. There wasn't a string that they had to step over. There wasn't even a line. It was just assumed that when you cross that threshold between the inflatable arch, that was the start line. But what we like to do is we like to make the start line a wall. And perfectionism turns the start line into a wall. So we're going to use his example first of the goal of getting in shape. All right. So you're like, you know what? This summer, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start exercising more. So this is what perfectionism can start sounding like. All right. Well, you're going to exercise more. Well, what type of exercise are you going to do? Are you going to join a gym? Well, if you join a gym, which gym are you going to join? Because you don't want to join the wrong gym. So we probably should research gyms in the area. But then what about the cost? And, you know, is my spouse going to be uh, supportive when I start paying for that? So maybe I should look for a cheaper one. But, you know, I want classes. And, oh, what classes do I want to take? Do I want to take the... Um, like a weightlifting class or a cardio. Oh, if I do cardio, I should probably get new shoes. I wonder what shoes I should get. What brand I should get. What brand is the best for cross training? What shoes are best for cycling? Ooh, cycling. I wonder if I should get a Peloton. Or I wonder if I should just take classes at a spin bar. Um, ooh, I wonder how the people are there. Do they have childcare? I probably should research if they have childcare. Um, and then I wonder what you know, if they have any other things to buy there. Oh, I wonder if they sell supplements, supplements. What kind of supplements do I need to take? Do I need to, you know, I probably, if I'm going to take supplements, I'm probably going to have to increase my water. How much water do I need to drink? You know, I probably should research how much water, you know, but then, you know, every time I drink water, I have to go to the bathroom and I'm a teacher, so I can't just go to the bathroom whenever I want to. So, um, maybe I should, maybe I should, um, Think about what snacks I'm going to pack. If I can't drink water, maybe I'll just get my water through snacks. Well, which snacks should I pack? And then I'm going to have to get a new cooler bag because the one that I have is broken because my kids ripped the strap off of it. And then I probably should go get some more ice packs and on and on and on. Notice how your start line wall grew taller and taller throughout that conversation. Perfectionism lies to you and tells you that you need more research and it creates all sorts of doubt. It tells you you've got to figure all these things out before you can start, right? And before you know it, you are so overwhelmed at your to-do list that you're like, I can't do it. It's too much. And because you're trying to figure all these little pieces out instead of just taking one step forward. Right? That start line was just an invisible line underneath an arch. And instead, you've turned it into a wall to scale to start the race. So I, I struggle with this sometimes. I start going down rabbit holes. And you know what? I'm going to pull this together. I do this with vacations. Instead of just picking a place and going for it, I want to have all the details figured out. Well, what if we want to do this? Well, what if we want to do that? Well, this kid likes this, that kid likes that. So we probably should find something. And when I start looking down one thing, then I start going down 400 rabbit holes instead of just booking something. So this one is me. 
I wonder if this one's you, but number six, totally me. All right, number seven, perfectionism makes you fix fictional problems. All right, it makes you fix fictional problems. It kind of goes along with number six. All right, so maybe your goal is to lose 10 pounds. That's your goal. And then you start thinking about, all right, so if I'm going to lose 10 pounds, I got to, I want to do this, or I want to do that. Maybe your goal is I want to lower my cholesterol. All right, I probably will, you know, I need to eat less saturated fat, eat less red meat, eat less cheese, you know, maybe not drink as much, but oh no, what happens when I go to my brother-in-law's house? He always wants me to have a beer with him, or he always is making burgers. And so you then start stressing out about a problem that didn't even happen yet. I do this all the time with, with Jim and with conversations in my head. Like I start having a conversation and then I, I speak for him how I think he will respond. And then I respond to that. And then I make up a response for him. And I can have a full-on fight with him without him even being present. It's a gift. Right? But perfectionism will tell you you have to solve all the problems that may or may not happen one day. Maybe you go over to your brother-in-law's and he doesn't offer you a beer because he ran out. And then you just stressed out about this experience that didn't even happen. Or you tell your brother-in-law, hey, I got to work on my cholesterol. I'm going to skip this one. I'm going to sit this one out. But instead, you agonize over what are all the potential problems that could happen so that way you can mentally prepare for them. But honestly, we don't even have to go there because it didn't happen yet, right? I'm going to have to buy all new clothes if I start working out because nothing's going to fit. That just feels overwhelming. Um, I don't have money. It's not in the budget. How about we just start with a push-up? Right? Before we start, you know, buying all new wardrobes for everything, how about we just start doing some push-ups and let's see if your body changes enough to buy new clothes. So number seven, perfectionism makes you fix fictional problems. Sometimes we just need to wait till we get to that point and then make decisions. Because remember, in the future, you will have more information, more knowledge on how to fix a problem. You don't have all the information that you'll have two weeks from now, six months from now, three years from now. You, it may be an easy decision once you get there, but perfectionism will paralyze you into having it all figured out now. And then again, you get overwhelmed, you start building walls, and then you do nothing. All right, finally, number eight, perfectionism cripples community. Perfectionism will tell you You can't be part of the community because they have it all figured out. Everyone has it figured out except for you. So you have to do everything in isolation because you're an anomaly. Hmm. I hear this a lot in my office. Everybody else knows what to do. I don't know what to do. I've tried all the things. I'm like, you know what? So have they. When you're in isolation, you can't draw on helpful resources because you think you're the only person that's struggling. You're embarrassed. And then you don't get the help you need. And perfectionism locks you in that isolation, which just is not helpful. We know that. 
We know that for mental health. We know that for physical health. We know that for social health, emotional health. We do things better in community. But when you're embarrassed, you don't want to share how you're coming up short. But the thing is, everybody is coming up short. I always tell my clients to like, I, I have so many things that I fail at. So many things. Like I don't ever want to give somebody the impression that we've got it all figured out because we most certainly do not. Right? I'm willing to talk about it because I can find new solutions. I can sit that embarrassment aside for a while and, and be vulnerable because I know ultimately that is what will get me through it faster. But perfectionism will cripple that opportunity for you. So I'm wondering if you're working in isolation when you don't have to. Right? What parts are you not sharing, but through sharing would actually promote healing? All right. So let's review these one last time because I want you to let me know if you want to respond on our social media um, platforms when I post this, um, this podcast, which one you struggle with. Uh, is it unrealistic expectations? Is it impossible timelines? Perfectionism amplifies comparison, leads to burnout, ruins your ability to celebrate, uh, turns the start line into a wall, makes you fix fictional problems, and cripples community. Which one or ones are you? And let's bring it out into the light. Let's speak truth into it so that we can move forward. Let's work as a community to help each other out and realize that we just got to take a step forward. Just one courageous step forward. Fear will always, I guess perfectionism disguises itself sometimes with fear, but we can do better than that, right? All right, let's, let's get you your, your recipe. So today we're doing zucchini lasagna rolls. All right, for this recipe, you're going to need half a pound of ground turkey. I guess you could use um, turkey sausage here as well. Three medium zucchini, one cup of mozzarella cheese, a quarter cup of Parmesan cheese, and then a tablespoon of Parmesan cheese, a teaspoon of garlic powder, and one cup of marinara sauce. You know what? I think this ingredient actually, hmm, nope, that's the recipe. I thought maybe because it said the quarter cup of Parmesan cheese and then later a tablespoon of Parmesan cheese, it was an error, but I have not made these yet, but they look delicious, so that's why I'm giving you the recipe. All right, directions. You're going to preheat your oven to 425 degrees and then slice zucchini evenly lengthwise, um, approximately an eighth of an inch. So if you have a mandolin uh, slicer, this would be the time to use it. You're going to place the cut zucchini on a baking sheet and sprinkle a little bit with sea salt. Bake that zucchini for 10 minutes. Once it's cooled, blot with a paper towel. Uh, whole purpose of that is to absorb additional moisture so your zucchini roll-ups aren't wet. While that zucchini is cooking, you want to mix your turkey sausage or ground turkey along with three-quarter cup of the mozzarella, a quarter cup of the parmesan, a quarter cup of the spaghetti sauce, and a teaspoon of garlic powder together. Go ahead, set that aside. 
In an eight by eight glass baking dish, add a half a cup of the sauce to the bottom of the dish, spread that around evenly. And then once that zucchini is cooled enough to handle, use a small spoon to fill the zucchini with the turkey sausage, ground turkey, cheese mixture. Roll the zucchini up, place it in the baking dish, and then add in any extra meat around the rolls. Cover with remaining sauce, sprinkle with the remaining mozzarella and Parmesan cheese, and bake for 20 minutes until the cheese is melted and the zucchini rolls are heated through. And then just go ahead and let sit for five minutes before serving. And that's it. Easy zucchini roll-ups. Guys, it's summer. We need recipes for all that zucchini that's going to be coming out of our garden. So hopefully this is one that you enjoy. Serve that with a salad. And um, yeah, hope you like it. All right, guys, that's what we got for today. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.